morning. Good morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church on this fourth Sunday of Advent. We are delighted to see each and every one of you this morning. If you are worshiping with us for what is one of the first times, we want to say a special word of welcome to you. If you are a visitor in our midst, we invite you following worship to head through the doors to your left and into the atrium where you can stop by the welcome desk and pick up a welcome bag which has information about the life and ministry and mission of this congregation as well as some cookies, a homemade treat, a sign of our gratitude for your presence with us this day. I do invite all of you to find those blue friendship pads that are located at the end of your pews. And if you would, take them and sign them and pass them down the row. We invite you not only to register your presence with us this morning, but to note the names of those who you are worshiping with on the pew so that you might greet one another personally by name following worship this morning. You'll also find in your pew racks prayer cards, and we invite you to fill out those. If you have a joy or concern that you would like to make the pastoral staff aware of, it is our privilege to pray with you and for you. And so please do fill that out with a joy or a concern and drop it in the offering plate at the appropriate time in our service. On the back page of your worship bulletin is where you'll find announcements about upcoming events in the life of this congregation. Of course, Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, and so we will gather for worship here in the sanctuary at 4, 6, 8, and 10, and look forward to seeing each of you for one of those services. We'll also gather for worship at 10 a.m. for one service on December 30th and on January 6th here in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. The session has also called a congregational meeting for January 6th at 1045. We look forward to seeing you in worship on all of those occasions. Friends, this is the day that the Lord is still making. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship holy God.
I used to think that love was a feeling. That was before I knew that love is a fire, unquenchable and bright. That was before I knew that love is a river, forging paths where none have gone before. That was before I knew that love was a song, etching its melody into my memory. I used to think that I had to find love for it to find me. But that was before I knew that love is that with which breathes us into beginning. That was before I knew that love had already found me, never letting me go. Friends, today we light the candle of love as a reminder that it is from love that we are made. It is in love that we are raised, and it is for love that we are sent. You were made from love, to be love, to give love. Draw near to God because God, who is love, has and will always draw near to you. Amen. to me all you who labor and are heavily burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let us confess our sins against God and neighbor. God, who is drawing near, we confess that when we face uncertainty, we isolate ourselves in fear. Like Mary, give us courage to recognize your presence in community and give thanks. We confess that we are quick to make assumptions and cast judgment. Like Mary, give us the patience to ponder things in our hearts without jumping to conclusions. Forgive us and draw near to us, for we long to be filled with your love. Amen. Hear the good news. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. pray. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word, and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Through Christ, Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. We have been looking at Holy Night experiences over the last month, and today on this final Sunday of Advent, we stop to take a look at the story of Mary. So I will be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and I invite you to follow along if, in your pew Bible if you're interested. Listen now for a word from the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob for forever, and to his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, who is in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who is said to be barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a little girl, I grew up in a church that, like so many had a popular Christmas Eve family service. It was kind of a DIY situation, a do-it-yourself Christmas pageant. Kids got to pick what character they wanted to be in the nativity story. You would then make your costume at home and show up at church to participate in the nativity. My dad, who was the pastor at our church, would stand on the front steps and would tell the Christmas story from beginning to end. And character by character, he would invite kids forward. He'd say, an angel appeared to Joseph. By chance, are there any angels in the room? And you would see little hands go up, and some toddlers would start standing on their pews. He'd invite all the angels forward, and a host of kids in white bed sheets with glitter headbands and wands and coat hanger wings would shuffle out of their pews and run up the front of the aisle to form some hodgepodge hallelujah chorus on the chancel steps. My dad would turn and look at the kids and would say, repeat after me, do not be afraid. And with their childlike Christmas Eve joy, we would cheer, do not be afraid. And then the story would go on to include the next round of characters. By the end of the nativity, we would have 20 Marys, 15 angels, a dozen magi in Burger King crowns. You've seen it. You know it's true. There would be a few shepherds in bathrobes, not many. Those particularly creative and abstract kids would come dressed in all yellow, shining like the star. We might have a few Josephs. And we would have just about every animal you can imagine. At the end of the nativity, my dad would do a roll call for all the animals that wanted to find their place at the stable because we like to be inclusive. 
We would have dogs and cats crawl down the aisle, sheep and cattle, occasionally a crocodile gesturing to our Floridian home base. We also had a guaranteed jaguar or two every year because as a Jacksonville, Florida church, it turned out that apparently the NFL also wanted to pay homage to the newborn king. The lion did lie down with the lamb. There was no denying, though, that in the midst of that DIY nativity, that Mary was one of the most popular characters to play. I think Mary was so popular because she was brave. Mary could have been stoned to death for getting married out of wedlock. She was young and unmarried. She was likely poor, and she was, a, and she was relatively unattached. The text tells us nothing about her family of ancestry, which is different than that of Joseph, Zechariah, or Elizabeth, who we all learn a little bit more about. Mary comes to us a stranger. So she was young, pregnant. Single and poor, she had every reason to say no to God and run like Jonah did. But when the angel showed up and asked her to take a risk, she said yes. She said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. So often Mary is portrayed in art as a passive, submissive figure gentle, quiet, eyes cast down, obedient, alone, draped in blue. However, that's not the image I see in the text. The Mary I see here is asking questions, wandering, and boldly accepting her call amidst possible doubts or concerns. She had to have been so incredibly brave. The type of bravery I could only pray for. And I think we, those elementary school kids at that DIY Floridian Christmas pageant, knew that on some level. I think Mary was so popular because she was strong. She was brave. And we loved that. As a matter of fact, Mary was not only brave, but I'll take it even a step further. Mary is the only character in Luke's version of the Christmas story that is not described as being completely overwhelmed with fear when the angels show up. As you all know, leading up to that holy night in Bethlehem, there were several angel sightings. We've been reading about them all month. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. An angel appeared to Zechariah in the temple. A whole fleet of angels appeared to the shepherds while they were keeping their flocks at night. And then an angel appeared to Mary. There is a rhythm to these angel visits. The angels always lead with, do not be afraid. It's the classic angel line. The first thing they would have learned in angel school, smile big, shine bright, 
and always, always lead with do not be afraid. It's the first thing we hear Gabriel say to the shepherds, to Joseph, and to Zechariah, which feels justified because if you stumbled upon some celestial being, your knees would probably shake too. The text tells us that Zechariah and the shepherds were terrified. But then we turn to Mary, and Mary has a different story. For the first time, the angels appear to someone, and that someone is not described as being overwhelmed with fear. Instead, she is perplexed. The angel says, do not be afraid, but nowhere are we told that Mary actually is afraid. Mary is described as being confused. So in a surprising turn of events from every other Holy Night story in the Gospel of Luke, this encounter between human and angel does not lead with the emotion of fear, an emotion we are common and familiar with. Instead, this story seems to lead with the emotion of doubt, another emotion we're familiar with, and I think that's worth paying attention to. The angel said to Mary, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you, but Mary did not understand. Mary did not understand either that she herself could actually be favored by God or that God indeed was with her, which means the angel's message either did not line up with the cultural narrative that Mary knew about herself and her value in God's eyes, or it did not line up with her understanding of who God was and how God moved in this broken world. Mary was not afraid, but she was uncertain. So you're probably wondering, why do I bring it up? Why pay attention to this small emotional difference, the presence of doubt, the possible absence of fear? What does that mean for us 2,000 years later? I think it could mean a lot of things. But if I had to guess, I would say this moment with Mary teaches us two primary lessons. First and foremost, I think the fact that Mary is uncertain about her call and still God chooses her, still God favors her, reminds us that faith is not a perfection game. It's a journey. It's a growing process. And that process will include seasons of great confidence and seasons of questions and doubt, both in God and in self. That's part of the journey. But God chooses us through all of it. The second thing I think this text shows us is that we would be wise to learn from Mary and to listen for God's invitation in our lives. For even if God's invitation is scary or confusing, if it gives us pause, Mary's bravery in saying yes changed the world forever, 
and we have more of those opportunities than we know. In other words, when we, like Mary, find ourselves wandering about our self-worth or about God's presence in our lives, when we ask ourselves, are we really enough or is God truly here? The proof of this text is that despite our uncertainty, God still chooses us. Even in the midst of doubts and questions, God draws near. Our call for faith is not a call for perfection. It's a call to be brave like Mary, to try hard, to love deeply, to not give up on one another. It's an invitation to say, here I am. I may not have it all figured out, and I may not know the plans you have for me, but I believe in love, so I am saying yes. I remember in college, I went through a period of doubt in God and in my call in life. What I know now is that that's pretty common. That's just part of the journey of faith. But when you're in the midst of those seasons, it can be painful and it can be scary. At one point, everything had been so crystal clear for me, probably naively so. And then I packed my bags and moved across the country for school, away from everyone I knew and loved. I found myself in an unfamiliar church with unfamiliar rhythms in an unfamiliar city, surrounded by people that did not know me, and all of a sudden I felt unknown entirely. All of a sudden, what I knew about God felt less secure. Fortunately, I had a campus minister named Kristen who looked out for me. Kristen attended a Lutheran church across the street from my campus. And one Sunday that first fall, she invited me to join her for worship. So I woke up early and I put on my church dress and I met her in the narthex. Together, we slipped into one of those back pews, and I waited. I waited to feel God's presence. I waited to be moved. I waited to feel confident about something. I was desperate for a holy experience, for angels to appear and say, Do not be afraid, for nothing is impossible with God. Have you ever been there? Instead, an ordinary preacher stepped into the pulpit and rambled on for quite some time. <laughs> You're laughing because I know you've been there. <laughs> we came to the final hymn and the pastor invited us to stand and sing. Now, if you know me, you know that I have an obnoxious habit of singing beneath my breath just about everywhere I go. In our childhood home videos, I am singing by myself most of the time, usually not well. I was in every choir growing up, and the soundtrack of my parents' minivan was me singing and my brother asking me to stop. <laughs> so if you know me, you could imagine that the hymns were part of my favorite part of worship. But on that Sunday, at that Lutheran church, in the midst of my doubt, I could not bring myself to sing. I was frustrated, 
and confused. I didn't have the heart or the energy for song. I remember looking at Kristen and saying, I just can't sing today. I don't have it in me. And I'll never forget her response. She looked at me and she said, that's okay. That's why we do this worship thing together. Stand here beside me, hold my hand, and I'll sing for the both of us. And she stood there and she sang. Here's our hearts, oh, take and seal them. She sang for both of us. And in that moment, it sounded like a chorus of angels. For in doing so, she was reminding me that faith is not about perfection. In doing so, she was reminding me that it was okay to be in a season of uncertainty because God still chooses us anyhow. <coughs> And now that I think back on that day, I can't help but think of Mary, who didn't have it all figured out, but still said yes. Kristen was an ordinary woman, but at the same time, she was an angel. Gabriel was Mary's angel. I think Kristen was one of mine. The Greek word for angel in scripture is angelos and is literally translated to messenger. Often in scripture, there's a great amount of mystery surrounding these angels, but I think we often find ourselves face to face with God's messengers more than we know. Our angels may not be named Gabriel or Kristen, and they may not have pipe cleaner wings and glitter headbands, but I bet if we listen closely and pay attention, we will hear the sound of angel choruses and we will find ourselves face to face with messengers who invite us to be brave, just like Gabriel invited Mary. And that invitation will not always be the same for all of us. For Mary, being brave in faith meant bringing about new life. For you and me, Bravery in faith may look like letting go of fear to cultivate generosity or letting go of the need for perfection to cultivate creativity. It may look like being honest with ourselves and finally going to counseling. Bravery in faith may mean practicing forgiveness with the people you love or not being afraid to truly love the people around you, self-included. For Eleanor Roosevelt, bravery meant doing one thing she was afraid of every day. The invitation for new life, the invitation to follow God, the invitation to be brave will look different for all of us. What remains true is that God will always be at work, bending creation towards love, and God will always invite you to be a part of that. Admittedly, the invitation can be a bit scary. There's a reason the angels always lead with, do not be afraid. 
But if we trust that God is love, and I trust that God is love, then we can trust that God's invitation will always be wrapped in good news. Friends, Mary's story is not a story of a perfect girl with downcast eyes and perfect faith, which we often make her out to be. It's so much more than that. Mary's story is a story about an ordinary, unmarried teenage girl from a nowhere city who, despite her doubt and uncertainty, chose to say yes to the wild and wonderful ways God moves in our world, even if they are scary or confusing. And it changed everything for the better. This is also a story about a God with extraordinary love who continues to favor you and continues to invite you forward. So friends, hear me now. You are not alone. God is with you and nothing is impossible with God. So listen for the angels because like Mary, they might be inviting you to be brave. Let us pray. God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, having heard the word read and proclaimed, let us stand and rise in mind, body, and spirit and affirm what we believe using the words from the Declaration of Faith. We affirm that Jesus was born of woman, as is every child, yet born of God's power, as was no other child. In the person and work of Jesus, God's self and a human life are united but not confused, distinguished but not separated. The coming of Jesus was itself the coming of God's promised rule. Through his birth, life, death, and resurrection, he brings about the relationship between God and humanity that God always intended.
As we prepare to pray with one voice for our church and for our community and for our world, I would invite you to take note of those joys and concerns that are listed on the back page of your worship bulletin that you might remember those members and friends in your prayers in the days ahead. There are care letters through the doors to your left on the table underneath the window for those who are experiencing joys and concerns in the life of this family of faith. And we invite you on your way out of worship to add your signature to those letters, whether you know those individuals or not, that your signature would be a prayer and a word of hope for them. We'd also like to add the following to those joys and concerns this morning. We celebrate with new parents, with Chris and Taylor Wright, on the birth of their daughter Zola Blair and with grandparents Mike and Stacy Wright and also with Ben and Holly Meyer on the birth of their son Luke Everett and with grandparents Jim and Louisa Meyer. We also invite your prayers in the days ahead for the family of Ed Barger, particularly his wife Janice and his daughters Melissa and Amy. Ed passed away this past week. His service will be January 2nd at 2 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Friends, let us go before a loving God in prayer. Let us pray together. God of wonder, we come before you in anticipation of what is yet to come. We are excited, we are fearful. We are relieved and we are uncertain. And yet in all of these things, you are with us. And so we pause this morning to give you thanks for the boundless gifts that you have given us. For the universe which you have created with its infinite mystery. For the earth that sustains us with its resources and its beauty. For our earthly life with all of its relationships of which we are a part. For all of these acts of love, O God, we give you thanks. God of love, we give you thanks for your church, for the community of those who came before us, for those who are here now, and those who are yet to come. Help us, even in our uncertainty, to work together in building your kingdom here on earth. God of wisdom and understanding, We come this day with praises on our lips, but also with prayers of petition and intercession on our hearts. And so we pray this morning for a time when the world might know peace, when hunger is no more, when all who suffer in body and mind and spirit will be free from pain. God, in our individual lives, we bring the size of our own hearts. So hear them now as we lift them silently to you. God of patience and God of surprises, Teach us in this time of waiting to be open to let go of all those things that keep us from your presence. Catch us by surprise. Catch us with wonder. Fill us with the gift of your grace and of your love. 
And God, grant each of us the ears to listen for your call, the faith to bear Mary's yes on our lips, and the courage to bear your presence in the world. Gather us, guide us, and keep us as your people. Send us out into the world that Christ's hands might be our own, and his mind one with ours in all that you would have us do. And hear us now as we pray the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, when we bring the first fruits of our labor, and we present them as an offering and a sacrifice of our lives, it puts everything into perspective. It puts everything into perspective about what is ours and what's not. It helps us to refocus on everything that's been entrusted to us, the things in our lives, and dare I say, even the earth. When we entrust our gifts back to the ministries of the church, we let go of them. And they nurture and sustain people in places that we'll never know and never see. But we entrust them to a God who will meet people right where they are. So friends, may we bring the first fruits of our labors this day, as an act of sacrifice, but also as an act of worship and praise. I invite our ushers forward this morning to receive our tithes and our offerings.
Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the gifts before us. We ask that you would bless them, that we might use them bravely, like Mary, so that we might be a blessing to others. In this Advent season, O God, care for us as you did your servant Mary, that we might too serve you as she did, carrying God's grace into the world. For we pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.
family of faith, the invitation of faith is not an invitation to be perfect. It's an invitation to be brave like Mary, to try hard, to love deeply, to listen for the angels and say, here I am. I may not know the plans you have for me, but use me anyhow. So as you go, listen for the invitation. And along the way, love as if love is not a scarcity. Hope as if there is indeed a better tomorrow. Live like we belong to one another, because we do. And trust that nothing can separate you from the love of God. In the name of the lover, beloved, and love itself, go now in peace.